welcome to Wesley Union, a bi-weekly podcast from Studio Wesley that highlights the voices of different campus ministers and leaders in the United Methodist Church. Today we'll be hearing from Brooke Lawrence, Assistant Director of Community at Campus of City Wesley in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi y'all, um, good evening, good afternoon, good five o'clock. Um, I am Brooke. I am the Director of Community, and I will be giving the message tonight. Um, I have been really, really excited to give this message because of the topic, but also just because I love Epiphany, which I understand as the season of recognizing God's action in our life, um, God's movement in our life, uh, God's love and God's grace for us. Um, but also because I really, really love this book by Henry Nowen, Life of the Beloved. We have been talking about Life of the Beloved all semester. Um, I've been trying to make my love for this book really, really clear. But I have made the statement that I would love to make every person in the world read this book. Because to me, it just, it really is that good. It's just a fantastic book, in my opinion. Um, so, um, so there are some really beautiful parts of this book, but the part that I'm going to talk about tonight is maybe one of the harder ones. Last week, Derek talked to us about brokenness and about how it is important to go directly into our feelings. Um, and that, that, that directness, that acceptance of our pain and our open acknowledgement of it, but that is a pathway to healing. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the other part of that chapter, that chapter on brokenness. Um, and it, I think it can be hard to talk about brokenness because it's uncomfortable. But Henry Nowen actually made the statement that I found pretty striking in the book, that it's hard to talk about brokenness because there's so much that can be said about brokenness. He said, our brokenness is so visible and tangible, so concrete and specific, that it is often difficult to believe that there is much to think, speak, or write about other than our brokenness. Um, which I found refreshing because I just feel like often people don't want to talk about it. But to Henry Nowen, it seemed that our brokenness was very evident and something that was very, very important to address. Um, but it's also a really big claim. I read that and my first thought was, I think I agree with that with my theology, but I'm not quite sure what Henry Nowen meant by that when he said that. And I have this big question when I read it of what is brokenness? And I asked the same question when I read our gospel passage this week. I decided to go for a gospel passage that was with the liturgical calendar. So this is the gospel passage that is assigned this week. And I was like, I don't quite know if this is going to line up with everything else. It's actually a passage that I spoke about um, about a year and a half ago now. Um, it was hard to speak on then. It's hard to speak on now. Um, but in this passage, of course, Jesus is at, um, at Simon's mother-in-law's house. Um, he heals her. And then, of course, that's sweet. She does get up and serve them. And in Bible and Brief today, we talked about how, like, why did she get up and serve him? 
right? <laughs> like why, why was that her first action to take? But after that, immediately after that, um, it sounds like all the people in this village, which I guess it was a lot of people for the time, um, but all the people in this village are lining up outside of Simon and Andrea's house um, just to see Jesus and to be healed by Jesus. And of course, there's the to be healed from sickness and demons, which I guess those two things go together. And of course, I struggle with this passage a lot because whenever demons are mentioned, it just, it's really awkward to me. And I'm not quite sure what to do with that. I'm not sure what it means. I'm not sure how to interpret it. But um, but it just, it just makes me wonder, like, what... <laughs> What is brokenness to Jesus? Did Jesus consider illness brokenness? Does Jesus consider pain brokenness? And I am really interested in theology, but I don't quite have answers to those questions right now. I read Henry Nouwen's book. I love Henry Nouwen's book. I do not know or come away from this book knowing exactly how Henry Nouwen would define brokenness. But when I do know is how I currently understand brokenness within myself right now. And again, I want to clarify, this is my idea of brokenness. It's not Henry Nouwen's idea. It's not Jesus's idea. And I invite you to find your own, even as I speak about mine. Um, but for me, brokenness is everything inside of me that isn't whole. The first thing that comes to mind when I think of brokenness is my anxiety. Um, I think of my pain. I think of the emptiness inside of me at times and the way that I try to fill those holes in ways that are not beneficial to me, um, that sometimes I know aren't beneficial to me, but that I still choose nonetheless. I think about, um, I think about everything inside of me that is divided, that does not feel cohesive and in touch with my soul, including the ways that I have sinned and the ways that other people have sinned against me. And I, I do feel that in this culture, in my culture, in the part of Northeast Florida that Brooke has experienced, I think that's just really difficult for us to talk about things like brokenness and pain. Um, and I think it's really easy to push that way, even within ourselves. But I also think, and I think Derek touched on this last week, I think that when we don't address our brokenness, acknowledge it, that it comes out in even more insidious ways. We might pretend that we don't feel pain. <laughs> I might pretend and push myself in ways um, that don't honor me because I think I don't need to feel this. I am not really feeling angry. I'm not really feeling sad. But I found what happens when I do that, when I don't acknowledge my brokenness or my pain, what really happens is that it comes out in ways that are even more harmful to people. Um, and that really the only way through it is to look directly at it and see what I can do from there. Like I said, Henry Nouwen had said a lot of things about brokenness. And I really, really do recommend that y'all 
pick up the book and read it because I do find it a really, really good book. Um, but some of these quotes, um, I just think this is beautiful. Um, our brokenness reveals something about who we are. Um, which later in the book, he compares brokenness to the way that glass can be shattered and then pieced back together. And that's all the more beautiful for the brokenness and that brokenness coming together in this unique um, unique way. If you've ever seen like the, the glass like that, or I'm even thinking of stained glass, which I think to some extent is broken glass put together. He also says... Our brokenness is always lived and experienced as highly personal, intimate, and unique. Um, which is a quote that I cherish because it's just, it's saying that brokenness is something valuable for us. Like, it's something that is a part of us and that we should not deny as a part of us. And I would argue that becoming whole is becoming one and okay with our brokenness um, and somehow incorporating that into our whole selves. But I actually really do want to talk about brokenness in this passage from Mark um, because I think it is really evident in the passage. And I found something really surprising in it when I went to Mark for the idea of brokenness. If you've had conversations with me lately about Jesus, um, you've probably realized or heard me talk about how I've been really uncomfortable with Jesus and the Gospels lately. Um, I'm going to say this. This is how I've framed the Gospels. I'm not saying it's the true way you read the Gospels or the objective way you read the Gospels or the way that I've always read the Gospels. It's just something that I've really been struggling with. And that's that. When I read the Gospels, I experience Jesus as being a little bit unkind sometimes. <laughs> sometimes he says things that just seem rude to me, <laughs> um, not very caring. And I, I hold that knowing and believing that Jesus is very caring. Jesus fully exhibits the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Of course, Jesus is a kind, compassionate person, but sometimes I read the Gospels and that's just not the way that I come away from it, understanding Jesus. But in this passage, what stands out to me is Jesus's kindness and is Jesus's gentleness. I always like to ground myself in the details of the Gospel and the sensory things that are actually happening within it. What I noticed today when we read it and Bible and breathe is the moment where Jesus not only heals Simon's mother-in-law, but he holds on her, his hand and he helps her up. Not only this, I'm sure it was a busy night for everyone in that household and for Simon's mother-in-law and Simon and Andrew and Simon's wife, but it also, um, it also was a really busy night for Jesus. Jesus, apparently, word got out about him healing Simon's mother-in-law. And all of these people from the village came and they wanted to stay there all night for Jesus um, to heal and to take care of. And 
get rid of the sickness and the demons. Um, and I'm just thinking, I have a hard time imagining these people lining up to see this person who is even from that town in this really tiny cramped space if Jesus did not have a welcoming, gentle presence. And I have to imagine that Jesus encounters each one of these people with such, in such a way that gives them profound dignity, uh, that really honors their humanness. And that, that does take a little bit of imagination but I also do think it is an alignment with other parts of Jesus that we see in Scripture. Um, and I believe that Jesus does for these people what Henry Nouwen begs us to do for ourselves, that he puts their brokenness underneath his recognition of their blessedness. Wesley exists to curate authentic and informed content that connects with college-aged young adults on their journeys of spiritual and personal discovery. We seek to build a community rooted in faith that values an open, inclusive, and expansive table where all are welcomed, respected, and loved without reservation or exception. To do this, we generate multiple content pieces, like Wesley Union, in order to connect with as many students as possible. One of these content pieces is Wesley Commons, our blog space where community voices are highlighted. Students, young adults, and community members share about their faith journeys and their thoughts on everything from societal issues to liturgical seasons. To read the latest post on Wesley Commons, visit studiowesley.org slash Henry Nowen says that the great spiritual call of the beloved children of God is to pull their brokenness away from the shadow of the curse and put it under the light of the blessing. And it seems to me that that's what Jesus does, that even though I think there are some ideas out there that say that this isn't what Jesus does, um, what I don't see in this passage is Jesus treating these people as condemned, worthless, believing that their brokenness is an inevitable and disgusting part of their existence. No, what I see Jesus doing, what I imagine Jesus doing, if his actions toward these people is as gentle as what we see of his treatment of Simon's mother-in-law, is that he encounters them with great love and that he honors them in such a way that makes them feel seen and loved and cared for, even in the, in the midst of their inflictions that I'm sure could seem inconvenient to Jesus. I imagine that he encounters them in such a way that does not make them feel that way. To me, when I look at my own brokenness, I can encounter in two ways, right? <laughs> and I can encounter in two ways, even throughout the course of one day. When I encounter my brokenness, 
under the light, under the belief that I'm cursed. It just makes for a really bad day. Um, I can run into a pole at the gas station and have the thought, of course I would do that. I am always running into inanimate objects. This is who I am. <laughs> I am a person who cannot help but run into inanimate objects. Um, I can cut someone off in traffic and have the thought, this is who I am. I am an inconsiderate person who does this to people <laughs> all the time. Um, when I let my anger or my pain come out in a way that is harmful to others, I can have the feeling and the thought that this is who I am. I am a person who hurts others. And this sort of thinking can also lead me to ultimately have the thought that nothing will ever go right because nothing I do is ever right. All I do is make mistakes. Um, to just believe that I am fundamentally a failure, maybe that I am fundamentally a bad person, and there is nothing that can change that. These might feel like really drastic thoughts, but I, don't know. I struggle with anxiety, and I won't say that I believe these thoughts when I have them, but they are definitely thoughts that I often deal with. And it can be hard to get away from that. I'm not saying that it's easy to have mental illness and to move away from these feelings. But to me, I am helped a lot when I put these things under the belief that I am not cursed, but that I am blessed and loved deeply by God. The term that came to mind for me when I thought of putting my brokenness under my blessing is that when I do this, it honestly makes me feel a bit like a protagonist in the movie. It makes me feel that even though I know I have sin, even though I know I have flaws, even though I know I make mistakes, it makes me feel that these things are overcomable and that they don't stand in the way of me being a part of what God is doing. I might be someone who can't help sometimes, but run into inanimate objects. But I'm also a person who God can use to do great good in the world, even with all of my clumsiness. And for me, that's, I can't put words to it, but it is really empowering. And even when I hold that thought above the other thoughts, when the other thoughts come to me, the catastrophic thoughts, the self-defeating thoughts, the very deeply unkind thoughts, they go away a lot easier because at a fundamental level, I know in my heart that they aren't true. I honestly feel like, and I'm really honored to be giving this message about this passage, I honestly feel like Doing this, putting my brokenness under my blessing, has been a huge part of my life. As a lot of you know, um, I have PTSD, and overcoming PTSD was probably the story of my college journey. And in doing that, I found that my journey was ultimately one to put my brokenness 
under the light of my blessing. I couldn't believe that the way that people treated me and the way that I was broken defined me or said that there is something terrible and irredeemable and worthless about me. But instead, I had to move into the belief that I was a beloved child of God and that nothing could separate me from God's love and the love that I was made in and that defined me. Um, and this belief, this journey, it truly changed my life. And I really don't know how to give you that. I don't know how to put you on that journey and to help you truly understand and accept yourself as a beloved child of God, as someone who is blessed and not cursed. And I don't know your story. I imagine that a lot of you are already here already. But I still just wanted to give you a few tips that have really helped me on this journey and invite you to take it. I don't think it's a journey that can happen in a week or a month or maybe even a year, but I do think that it's a journey that God will step into with you if you let God do that. So the first thing that I think of is to recognize your spots of brokenness, pain, and mistakes within yourself and within your story and to hold them very gently. I say that in a neat sentence, like that's an easy thing or a straightforward thing. And I don't think it is. <laughs> I think it's very difficult. And I think it's a lifelong process and an everyday process of truly doing that. But I think that it could be helpful, most helpful, to just find time alone with yourself. And maybe you want to start that this week. Maybe you want to do that this month. Maybe you'll think about this in 10 years and try it. But I think that finding space to be alone with yourself, to tell your story to yourself, to look honestly at your wounds, I think that can be very beneficial. And I also, I also recommend to do this with a journal. I think that can really help a lot. Um, and to help remember, help remember who you are and where you've been and all the parts of you, the messy parts, the parts that feel right, how all of that is a part of you and to encounter yourself in your journey with fresh, forgiving eyes. The second thing I want to invite you to do is kind of an outgrowth of the first thing. And that is to take parts of your story and parts of your brokenness and to put <laughs> and to have, not put in their blood of your blessing, um, and to have sit down with someone who you trust and love and care about and to share some of that with them. I think this can be really scary. I think that sharing these parts of yourself that are really difficult, that maybe we've messed up, or maybe people have hurt us in a way that is beyond words. We aren't sure if someone will understand. I believe that this is really horribly scary. But I also think it's worth it. I think that when you find a person who really does see you and love you and that is worthy of putting your trust into, 
that that person can be a vessel for God's love and mirror back to you the love that God has for you. Um, so I, I think that if you get nothing out of this, and again, I'm not saying that this can happen this week or this month, but I really recommend taking that journey with your brokenness to try to find space and time to sit with someone that deeply loves you and to let the love of God come through and into your story. And the third thing I have is I believe an everyday thing, a constant thing, a beautiful thing. Um, and that is that I want to invite you to be exceedingly, excessively kind to yourself. I have found that in this world, the messages that I have gotten from culture and from life and from people is that I think it's just kind of encouraged to be really cruel to myself, to judge myself. I often have this feeling that if I judge myself enough, the world won't be able to judge me. And I still wrestle with that. I still want to invite you to have compassion for yourself instead. And compassion doesn't mean saying that it's okay when we mess up. And I think it is saying that saying that we are so human and worthy of love and kindness and gentleness and care, even when those things happen. I don't know what being kind to yourself looks like for you. For me, it means not punishing myself when I mess up, but realizing that that came out of a place of me trying to fill in the cracks of my brokenness in ways that weren't helpful. And switching to doing something that is kinder instead, that is more helpful instead. Sometimes for me, honestly, it means watching Netflix and ending. Um, but I think you, you know the things that make you feel better. And I invite you to do that. And to also, to also just have kindness to yourself, to speak to yourself kindly when you mess up. Not to say, oh my goodness, you messed up. Why did you do that? But to say, I see you. I see you hurting. And I still believe that you are lovable, that you are good. And we can do better. But you are not irredeemable for doing this right now. And I know that's big, <laughs> but I really do believe but I do really believe that this is something that is approved of both by a lot of psychological researchers, but also by God, Jesus, as well. Putting our brokenness under the light of our blessing is a hard, deep thing to do. It's a lot of hard work, as I say. Um, I pray that you will all choose to take it. And you will all choose to find it. And I trust that God is with you as you all consider it. As you all choose or don't choose to take this journey. I made the note that if savage Jesus can love you with gentleness and kindness, then I believe that you can do that too. I want to finally say that 
if you're looking for someone to talk to, to tell your story, I won't say I'm the perfect listener, but I would love to sit and listen with you. And I promise that I won't shame you or say anything unkind. And I'll try to be as unsarcastic as possible. Um, thank you all for joining us tonight. I don't know if you have plans to watch the Super Bowl, um, but thank you for being here. I hope you have a lovely evening and um, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley. 